Welcome to Life Play. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, Strong Apart for Jared Beck. Jared, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, let's go. Jared is the co-founder and managing director of Risk Management Advisors. They're an organization providing captive insurance, employee benefits, work, workers' compensation planning. Jared, excited to have you on. Tell us about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Yeah, you bet. So right now, uh, you know, sitting in, in Irvine, California, um, which is where our office is, Um we have a nationwide practice, but, um, you know, been in California my whole life. Um, and, you know, really the focus, you know, getting out of college was always, you know, I thought I wanted early on to be a investment advisor or, or, or stock jock. Um, got, you know, this is 2000, right? So it was the dot-com AOL, um, you know, was just really infatuated by, by all of that. Um, but when I started my career, I actually started at Northwestern Mutual, uh, more on the insurance side. Um which ended up being great, you know, good training, as I, I think you know, um, but quickly wanted to, you know, more so than the personal financial planning, was really more interested in the corporate business to business side of things, um, you know, so left there and joined up with a firm that was, you know, was doing that type of planning um, and, and just, you know, really fell in love with that side of the business. And it was a couple of years in there, uh, around 2002, me and my partner that we know co-founded risk management advisors with, we discovered, you know, this concept of captive insurance companies, uh, and really started digging into that and found it so fascinating and such a versatile tool. They were like, all right, well, this is what we're going to focus our careers on. Um, and then, so that was, it was Christmas Eve, 2004, we founded risk management advisors, um, and you know, flash forward, but here here we are today. Um, so it was really that early interest in finance, financial advising. Um, you know, I did the CFP work very early on, uh, you know, even before I started my career. Um, and then it was, you know, just really, you know, getting deep with a, you know, with a niche concept that um, you know, has has served us well. Nice. Well, having been, um, I think we started our career around the same time with uh, very, very, very similar companies, which, which, which you mentioned. Captive insurance, captive insurance companies, is something that's always sort of been, it, it, you know, floating around. But I don't know that I really know exactly what it is. Can you tell us exactly what it is? Yeah, you bet. So, at it, at its simplest level, a captive is an insurance company that a business or a group of businesses set up to ensure their own risks. Um, so, you know, I'll give that explanation and people say, oh, like self-insurance. Um, and, it, and it is like self-insurance to a degree, but it's a very formalized version of self-insurance where you go out, you actually go to a state or a domicile, um, you know, could be in the US, could be internationally, and you actually go to the Department of Insurance, form a new company and get it licensed as an insurance company and said, okay, well, you know, why would, why would you do that? Um, and there's, there's a handful of reasons or, or motivations for, for doing so. Um, one of the main reasons is, you know, insurance companies, you know, they get favorable tax treatment under the internal revenue code. If I just self-insure and I save money, well, now that money flows through to my bottom line, I have to pay taxes on that. Um, which, you know, would be fine if there wasn't this potential that, well, you know, just because my tax year and it doesn't mean that, you know, 
there isn't going to be some loss that occurs and I'm going to end up owing. But, you know, if I've already, you know, I've got after tax dollars, I'm paying, you know, tomorrow's claim with, you know, less money. It's not the most financially efficient way to go about, you know, to go about carrying reserves. Whereas insurance companies, they can put money into reserves for, you know, claims that we know about today or, you know, claims that, you know, are incurred, but not yet reported things we don't know about. And then, so it gives you the ability to build up, you know, this, you know, a larger war chest to handle, you know, any losses that, that would come in. Um, and the other advantage is that insurance companies can buy reinsurance, which is insurance company insurance for insurance companies. So it gives you additional markets to go to, to help you lower the overall cost of, you know, of buying policies. So, you know, those kind of the two main reasons, third motivating factor, you know, a lot of companies are, you know, in emerging spaces um, or maybe, you know, there's some tough markets where the insurance is very limited. You can't get coverage for it. Um, and so, you know, setting up a captive allows you to address and provide coverage for, you know, stuff you can't get in the traditional market. So nice. Uh, yeah. And, and we find a lot of business owners in, you know, especially growing business owners, you know, companies that are growing fast, um, you know, in high growth areas um, or riskier segments of the marketplace, you know, either two or three of those factors are are at play. And so the captive, again, is a really nice, versatile tool for addressing those needs. And what are the needs that that the insurance is meeting? Is it health insurance? Is it property and casualty insurance? Is it life insurance? Yeah, it's situational, but it can be D, all of the above. So, you know, certainly companies with, a, you know, let's say 100 or more employees that are providing employee benefits or health insurance, um, you know, that's probably their biggest expense after payroll. You know, right? you're going to pay the employees and then the next most expensive thing is going to be providing them health insurance coverage. And unfortunately, for better or for worse, the system is rigged against employers in that, you know, the insurance companies are actually incentivized to pay out more claims so that they can turn around and charge employers more so that they can increase their their profit margin. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a really unfair system for, you know, for companies to buy into. They need to have the coverage. They need to offer the benefits. But, you know, between what the hospitals want to make and what the insurance companies pay out, it's a system that's that's rigged against them. That kind of goes back to healthcare reform and um, you know the implementation of Obamacare and, and some of those rules. Um, you know, done nothing to lower costs. In fact, it's it's gone the opposite. So what we're able to do with the captive is you know exit from shelf products and you know put them into a model where. You know, and then they don't do it all on their own. We consult with them, but you know, there's there's tools and techniques for taking control of you know how claims get paid, and you know, lowering the overall cost of coverage, allowing you to reinvest in the plan, provide richer benefits for your employees. So instead of cutting benefits, you increase benefits. Um, you know, while still you know again putting more money back in your pocket. Um, so that's on the health insurance side. Again, that's going to be companies hundred and above, you know, that want to offer a nice, nice set of benefits for their, for their employees. Um, other spots that are really hurting right now, 
you know, cyber coverage, you know, is, is, you know, you hear a lot about that. Um, and, and frankly, the traditional market insurance companies can't keep up, you know, the, you know, the different, you know, methods of attack, you know, evolve more rapidly than, you know, than the underwriters can keep up with. So there's just these perpetual gaps in coverage. And then they're simultaneously being charged more and more for less and less, you know, for less and less coverage. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies utilize captives to fill those gaps. Um, you know, certainly think about construction companies, builders, developers, contractors, you know, just heavy machinery, you know, swinging hammers, um, you know, a lot of risk associated with that. But, you know, companies with good safety that do the job better than their competitors, you know, they're paying high premiums to subsidize everybody else's poor losses and they're not reaping the benefits of that. So, um, and in fact, early on back during, you know, you were here during this time, I think, you know, during the housing boom, right back, you know, 2000, 2002, 2003, 2004, we worked almost exclusively with builders and developers because it was a very difficult market for general liability. You know, you had companies charging, you know, it's called a million five for 2 million of coverage. And wow, the builders, they needed to have it so they could get their bank lines so they could get on the, you know, on the project. But, you know, the insurance companies were holding them over, holding them over a barrel. So, you know, the, the sharpest guys that we worked with said, all right, well, let's, you know, set up our own insurance company, pay the million five to ourselves, And then, you know, they would just capitalize or cover the, you know, the, the Delta there and, you know, kind of fully front that $2 million limit. And then once the policy expired, if they had, you know, done a good job and the claims were low, now they get all that money back. Um, so that was a very successful formula um, that, you know, still exists in certain pockets to this day. But, but does that give you a flavor for, uh, you know, some of the, some of the implementations you can do? It does. So why wouldn't everybody do this? <laughs> yeah. Good, good question. Um, one, there is a, you know, there is sort of a, you know, you have to be at a certain threshold uh, for, for better, for worse. Um, you know, it's, it's not the cheapest, you know, strategy to implement. There are costs, um, you know, setting up the entity, getting the license. Um, you are required, the regulators require you to have an independent actuary, create and certify your rates and reserves. Um, each year, the captive undergoes a financial audit. Uh, by an, excuse me, by an independent auditor, um, you know, just to make sure they're following the rules and regulations and that they're solvent and, you know, can afford to pay the, you know, pay the losses for the risks they've taken on, um, you know, so that adds up to a little bit of frictional cost. And so you need to have a critical mass of premium, you know, to, to still make it worthwhile. Um, so you need companies of a, you know, of a certain size, um, which is typically going to be again, you know, 100 employees and above on the employee benefits side. Um, you know, companies in that, you know, 750,000 and above range on their on their liability coverages or property and casualty coverages. Um, so you, you just kind of you need you need that scale for it to uh, for it to make sense. Um, for companies of that size, where where it doesn't make sense, we'll get a lot of calls. You know, say George, you call me up and. Like, ah, man, I pay so much for my professional liability insurance. You know, I, I need a captive to help me lower my cost. They say, oh, okay, well, you know, what do you pay? And let's say, let's just say it was a million bucks. But then you say, okay, well, send me your policy and then send me all your loss runs. But then we get it in and you say, oh, the losses are actually a million two each year. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's, you don't need a captive, you need loss control. You know, you need to figure out why, you know, why you're having so many claims. Um, and we'll see that a lot on the workers comp side where, you know, they feel like their workers comp is expensive and unfair, but then you go to the work sites and it's, you know, it's unsafe. People are getting hurt and, you know, therefore the claims are high. And so they haven't taken those steps to get the losses under control. So it's kind of like, you know, you got to do the foundational work, you know, get your house in order and then you can have the, you know, then you can have the cool toys. Got it. Is it possible to get in on somebody on, on an existing captive or must I start my own? Yeah. Great question. So what we've been talking about or alluding to really is what's called a pure captive or a single parent captive. And that's where a business comes in, they establish the captive and it's, you know, they're the board of directors, they're the officers, they control it. It's for their family of companies. Um, but a lot of other firms will participate in what are called group captives. And, you know, this is for companies or businesses where maybe they didn't have quite that critical mass to get their own structure going or justify their own structure. But if they pull together with, you know, six, seven, other 10, you know, 50, whatever number like-minded high performing employers, then you can build some economies of scale. Um, and, and then, you know, a lot of those programs will take on new members each, each year. So, and that can be run on the property and casualty side and also on the, on the employee benefit side. There's a number of successful programs out there for, for different marketplaces. And is there some kind of a mechanism in place for the group captive to, obviously you want to do a good job and make sure you're bringing in other companies that are of the same philosophies and quality and compliance and all those. Is there a mechanism to kick people out if they fall short? Yeah, that's, that's something that's evolved pretty well over time. Um, because what would happen early on is programs, you know, the promoter or whoever wanted to build it would, you know, they would partner with a carrier to issue policies and then, you know, cover the catastrophic risk. And then they would sort of have a come one, come all attitude about it to build the program up. Um, as you can imagine, that doesn't really work because again, the bad risk that you let in ends up getting subsidized by the good risk. And, you know, the bad risk people are getting a great deal while the good risk people are getting, you know, getting hosed. Um, and so that led to failure of a lot of programs. Um, so as we tell people a lot, you know, you mentioned, oh, why would somebody do it? Why would somebody not do it? Um, you know, the underwriting, you know, or the barrier at entry, um, you know, the bar is pretty high on a lot of, uh, you know, the better run programs. So, um you know, I'm sure in your practice, you see people, you know, send me a proposal and they, they you know, they send you about 50% of what you would need to put together, uh, you know, put together a comprehensive uh, analysis, you know, but they're like, Hey, can you just, you know, give me a ballpark, give me a ballpark. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get those guys and, and, you know, that doesn't, you know, we tell people all the time that doesn't really work. Everybody wants to get in here. So it's really, you got to put your best foot forward and have, you know, your loss runs, your financials, your, you know, your presentation of your business in, you know, in, in good shape, um, you know, to get, uh, to get that participation. And yeah, certainly if you melt down over time, um, you know, that you might be asked to leave. Now that's different from, you know, just having a bad year, 
you know, that's why you buy insurance is to protect yourself from, you know, from that, from that bad year. So, um, you know, health insurance side, you know, you're going to have that premature baby or, you know, you're going to have that transplant, you know, every once in a while, that's what the insurance is there for. And that doesn't get you kicked out of anything. Um, you know, somebody gets hurt, you know, on the job, building falls over, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. That stuff happens, but is it, you know, is it systematic or is it, you know, is it perpetually happening? And that's, that's the type of stuff that, you know, if you don't keep your house in order, then yeah, you may be back in the traditional market before long. So what is, what is the typical discovery process or what does, what does, yeah. What, what does the typical process look like? People who are listening and say, you know what, I've got a couple hundred employees and yep, my health insurance is my number two uh, biggest cost. How do I, how do I explore this? Yeah, usually, you know, if it's a, you know, we'll have financial advisors, um, property casualty brokers, benefits brokers, they'll they'll call us up and it'll just start with the, hey, I got a guy, you know, conversation. It's the, hey, this is my client. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Um, and then, you know, if it says, no, oh, no, it sounds like there's some things we can do here, then it's usually a educational or, you know, introductory call with the client talk through a lot of what we're talking about here. This is what a captive is. Um, you know, tell me about your business. And then, you know, if we decide it makes sense to move forward, um, we have what we call a preliminary feasibility study where we would collect some basic information, copies of policies, company, basic company information, revenue, number of employees, et cetera. And we'll, you know, we'll prepare a report that, you know, says, you know, Hey, these are the, these are the strategies that, you know, you could potentially implement that you would benefit from. And we come back, we have a discussion about that and, you know, and evolve it from there. Um, the education part is key because, you know, again, the concept of a captive, pretty simple that, you know, that takes 12 seconds, but it's, you know, the different, you know, the different paths you can go down. And if we're going to do that, we want to make sure there's something there, um, you know, for the client at the end of the day. Um, there's also the different approaches and, Again, a lot of people come in. I need a captive. I need a captive. Let's say, all right. Well, what does that mean to you? You know, because you know the concept will mean different things to different people. So you want to make sure, you know, what you're going to deliver in the proposal is meeting up with what they want to get out of it. You know, because we'll we'll have people. It could be a great strategy for you know. Again, let's say addressing gaps in coverage. You know, it's like, hey, you've got, you know, here in California, employment practices, liability insurance is very difficult because it's such a litigious state. Um, employment practices claims can actually blow up into class action lawsuits out here. Um, so we're seeing, you know, and the, and the way the law is written. So, um, you know, if you have one employee that says, oh, I didn't get my, I didn't get my break, they can hire an attorney. And then if they find one other person they'll now take it as a class action and they'll assume, well, if you did it to that one person, you must have done it to every employee that's ever worked at that company. And now all of a sudden you have a, you have a class, you know, gotta love it. And, and the insurance isn't priced to address that. It's a, you know, it's a price to address like the one-off situation where you, you know, you messed up and you wronged somebody. It's not priced for class action stuff. So, you know, a lot of times we'll make that recommendation is, hey, a captive would be perfect to address this, this class action exposure. Um, but, you know, but maybe that doesn't move the meter for them. Maybe they're in it for, you know, they want to save money on their workers comp. Um, and so it's, you know, again, identifying, 
uh, you know, kind of the basic, even going back to the basic tenets of financial planning, you know, 101 is, hey, what are your goals and objectives and what are you looking to get out of this? And then, you know, making recommendations around that, um, even if it's, you know, hey, this, you know, this isn't going to work out for, for you, but, you know, here's what would and, you know, at least they at least they took a look. But um, love it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Jared, I appreciate you coming on and educating us on cap- captive insurance companies. Probably a long time coming for the show. Where can people learn more about you and risk management advisors? How can they uh, how can they start the conversation? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for the great questions. Um, so we have a YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube. A lot of great content there. Uh, there's also um, a lot of good video um, and downloadable materials on our website, which is www.riskmgmtadvisors.com. Um, and then Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jared your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find Risk Management Advisors on YouTube. I'll link that in the show notes, as well as go to riskmgmtadvisors.com. That's right. Excellent. And then the other social media locations as well. And I will be sure to link those in the notes also. Thanks again, Jared. Awesome. Thank you so much, George. And until next time, remember... Do your part by doing your best.